0: We have enormous breaking news for the National Football League. Adam Schefter, the decision has been made. What can
1: you tell us?
2: Moments ago, Sue L. Robinson, the retired federal judge, handed down her decision, and Deshaun Watson has been suspended for six games. Obviously, she ruled that he violated the personal conduct policy. She will not fine him in this particular case. And I think the question now becomes, does the NFL appeal this
0: decision? In the history of sports punishment, there is no case quite like the one of Deshaun Watson. Because the Browns had acquired the star quarterback from the Texans back in March, amid dozens of civil lawsuits filed by dozens of women who accused him of sexual assault and misconduct. And Watson wouldn't face criminal charges, but the question was never if Watson would be suspended by the league this season. It was for how long? So today, We go to Cleveland to explain how a quarterback's predatory conduct only warranted a six-game suspension, returning him to America's televisions by October 23rd, and what the NFL might do next as a result. I'm Pablo Torre. It is Tuesday, August 2nd, and this is ESPN Daily. Jake Trotter, our Cleveland Browns beat reporter, where are you right now, man?
2: Yeah, Pablo, I am in my truck in the parking lot outside the Browns training facility in Berea, Ohio.
0: Man, so you are you are still on the scene, you are camped out, you are covering the story that... We really need you to help us understand a little better here, Jake. And I guess we should start here with just the number six, right? As in the six-game suspension for Deshaun Watson. Because we'll get to the camp stuff, what you see around you in a second here. But the guy who has been accused of sexual assault and misconduct during massage sessions by 24 female therapists in 24 civil lawsuits was suspended for the first six games of the season for violating the NFL's personal conduct policy— So how would you even begin to explain what the ruling ultimately found?
2: Yeah, so basically Judge Robinson broke down her ruling into three parts. and The three parts that the NFL argued, the three violations of the personal code of conduct policy. Number one was sexual assault as the league defines it. Uh, She found that Watson did in fact violate the policy uh, the way that the NFL argued it. Uh, Number two, which was the count of endangering another person, she found that the NFL proved that Watson did that as well. And count number three, which was undermining the credibility of the NFL, she wrote as well that Watson was in violation of that part of the personal conduct policy as well. So she actually found that the NFL, she sided with the NFL essentially on all three counts.
0: Yeah, Jake, I just read through this ruling myself, and I just want to quote Judge Sue L. Robinson here, the retired federal judge who delivered this ruling. She says that Mr. Watson's pattern of conduct is more egregious—this is in the realm of nonviolent sexual conduct—than any before reviewed by the NFL. I mean, the word egregious there, I just circled that in bright highlighter here as a setup to the question of why, then, is it only six games?
2: Yeah, there were two reasons Robinson went with six games. Number one, she wrote in her report that uh, the the policy of the NFL was changed and applied uh, proactively. Uh, in other words, the NFL was trying to impose, a, as she put it, a dramatic shift in the culture without giving notice to the players that it was doing. So in this particular case, Watson. And then number two, she leaned on precedent the cases that the NFL has adjudicated on uh, in the past. And that's why she ultimately settled on six games, which might not seem like a lot. But when you factor in precedent in past cases the NFL has ruled on, it actually does seem like a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm looking at these 16 pages from Judge Sue Robinson, and it seems like a major distinction that she drew here. Jake, on that point is violent versus nonviolent sexual conduct. Could you just tell us about that line that she drew that seems to account for why this is sort of the max? This is the ceiling that she felt justified in going to in terms of a punishment.
2: Yeah, she wrote that it this was her word undisputed that Watson's conduct did not fall into the category of violent contact. That would require uh, this is in the CBA, the minimum six game uh, suspension. So. Uh, You know, she argued that, uh, yeah, Watson committed sexual assault, but this was not violent sexual assault uh, as she interpreted it. And so it fell under a different category uh, that she uh, based her ruling off of, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, there is a nuance here, right? Because she said, and as you established, that she found that Deshaun Watson did pose a genuine danger to the safety and well-being of another person, but that the conduct in these massage sessions was not violent. But I I wanna go to just this larger picture here, Jake, because you mentioned how all of this is unprecedented in ways, and it's unprecedented in this specific procedural way too, right, because in the past, suspensions like this one were just handed down by the NFL commissioner, by Roger Goodell, but this one was handled by Judge Sue Robinson, and she was jointly appointed by the NFL and the NFLPA. Why was she in a position to make this ruling instead of the league itself this time around?
2: Yeah, Pablo, this goes back to the 2020 CBA where the league and really the owners wanted to get out of the business of being judge and jury when it came to these personal uh, code of conduct violations. And so in the 2020 CBA that was agreed to by the owners, the league, and then the NFLPA as well, they wanted to create this position, uh, a disciplinary officer, in this case, a former judge, Sue L. Robinson, who would hear the case from the player and the NFLPA, and then would hear arguments from the league and then make a decision. What's interesting about the way this process works is that there is an appeals route that it can go now. The NFL or the NFLPA uh, has until 9 a.m. Thursday, three days from the decision, to file an appeal in writing to NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. Now, the NFLPA has already said, and they said this before Robinson's ruling came out, that they would not appeal no matter what. And they called on the NFL to do the same. The big question now, Pablo, is will the NFL appeal? And if so, will Roger Goodell consider the appeal or will he designate somebody else to hear it uh, instead, which is his right under the CBA? I think that is the question uh, we're going to be looking at over the next couple of days. What does the NFL do now?
0: Right. So in other words, the NFL, in this version of the justice system, they are the prosecution They made the case against Deshaun Watson to the judge, the literal judge, Judge Sewell Robinson. And they're also here now, the Court of Appeals, where they ultimately have power. They have veto power over what this final suspension is actually in real life going to be.
2: Correct. And the NFL is in a tough spot because on the one hand, this is the very first case under the new CBA. The very first case that a disciplinary officer has overseen and ruled on. First case that Judge Robinson has ruled on and so because it's the first case if the nfl comes back and essentially overrules it and implements its own penalty its own discipline and the league was arguing for initially a season long suspension a 12 game suspension was the Mm. lowest that it was arguing if they come back and basically throw out her decision and implement its own could they be viewed as undermining their own collectively bargained procedure now on the other hand You read the report, you read the evidence that was presented, you read Judge Robinson's ruling, and six games does not seem to match what she wrote in her report. Right. And so the NFL is going to face pressure on the other side, I think from people around the league, to act accordingly and to appeal it. So uh, the NFL is in a very tough spot, and I think these are the discussions they're going to be having over the next couple of days. What do we do?
0: Right. I mean, Judge Robinson, again, I'll quote from her report here again, Jake. She said, quote, while it may be entirely appropriate to more severely discipline players for nonviolent sexual conduct, I do not believe it is appropriate to do so without notice of the extraordinary change this position portends for the NFL and its players, end quote. And what you're saying here is that if Roger Goodell wants to increase the punishment here, that's the sort of sentence he would circle and say, look, I understand there's a procedural change that he is unilaterally imposing now, but the basis for it, the logic for it seems to be established also by the judge herself.
2: No question. And here's the bottom line. This was collectively bargained as well into the CBA. Mm. Goodell does have final say if he wants to take it. And I think that is what's going to be interesting in this first case. So high profile, uh, so contentious. Does he act or does he let Robinson's ruling stand? Uh, does the NFL file an appeal or do they let Robinson's ruling stand? That we don't know. But I think it's going to be fascinating and is going to set a precedent in of its own going forward for future personal conduct policy cases.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A seminal moment in the punishment of athletes as a, as a matter of uh, sports jurisprudence goes, Jake. But have we heard from Deshaun Watson or his representatives about the verdict that Judge Robinson delivered?
2: We haven't heard anything on the record. You know, Deshaun Watson was at practice today on Monday, the day the the ruling came down. Uh, He has not spoken to reporters since minicamp back in June, and he's only spoken twice since the Browns traded for him. His introductory press conference uh, back in March after the Browns traded for him, and then minicamp, Rusty Harden, Deshaun Watson attorney, Did not issue a statement today. He indicated that he might, but so far we've not heard from him. And all we've heard from the NFLPA was the statement they put out before the ruling that they would not appeal the decision no matter what it turned out to be. At some point, we will hear from Deshaun Watson from training camp, uh, but it was not Monday. It might not be until after this process is concluded, which would be at the very earliest 9 a.m. Eastern time Thursday. That's the deadline the NFL has to file its appeal.
0: It does seem, though, Jake, like Deshaun Watson and his camp and the Browns also, that they kind of built this suspension in terms of the length that they ended up getting. They built the possibility of a suspension like this into the contract that they had just recently signed, right? I mean, the financial penalty here to Deshaun Watson. Walk us through that.
2: Yeah. So Dan Graziano, our colleague, reported over the weekend before the ruling came out that the NFL wanted to impose a $8 million fine. And that comes in part because the way that fines work now under the personal conduct policy during a suspension, it comes from your base contract pay. And Deshaun Watson is making a little over, out of a $230 million contract, by the way, fully guaranteed, only a million dollars in base salary pay for 2022. That means if he is suspended six games, he will pay a total of $345,000 for, total, not per game, total uh, for uh, mm. th- the suspension. So, yeah, it's uh, It's interesting that the contract was structured that way. I actually asked Andrew Barry, Brown's general manager, about that aspect of the contract during his introductory press conference, and he said that it was a coincidence and that they structure a lot of their big money contracts uh, backloaded when it comes to base salary. But that doesn't change the fact that Deshaun Watson, from a financial perspective, We'll basically, be paying no money in fines relative to the rest of his contract if the six game suspension holds,
0: right? Right, right. And look, you know, the number six, Jake, at the risk of getting just sort of stuck on it, you mentioned how Judge Robinson referred to other precedents in NFL history as punishment is concerned. And I think a lot of fans out there they're wondering, okay, wait a minute, hold on, talk about precedent, Calvin Ridley, right? The receiver. With the Falcons, just suspended an entire season for betting on games, betting on his own team while he was away from the team. DeAndre Hopkins, of course, the receiver, just got a six-game suspension for violating the NFL substance policy. And I understand that Ridley and Hopkins, that those decisions, those punishments came directly from the NFL, but... How do you think this fits into the future forecast for how player suspensions and future discipline is going to look?
2: Yeah, and you you come back thinking about the flake gate, too, which was actually mentioned, referenced in Robinson's report. Uh, Tom Brady was suspended four games for deflating a football. You compare that to what Watson is accused of doing, and it's tough to square that, to reconcile that for sure. The difference between Calvin Ridley, though, and... Deshaun Watson's situation is that Watson falls under the NFL's personal code of conduct policy, which is different than Ridley's situation, which uh, did not violate that, but violated a different NFL rule that Roger Goodell has jurisdiction over. And that's why he was able to implement, the league was able to implement the punishment it wanted for that. There was no third party. That's the difference in the two. And so, yeah, it looks strange when you put it that way, but the way the NFL has structured it's discipline policies. They're in different categories.
0: I want to return here, Jake, to the women who started this whole case in the first place, right? Because we've been covering this story since March of 2021, basically, when Deshaun Watson was first accused of sexual misconduct by Ashley Solis, this Houston area massage therapist. And we saw, subsequently, a total of 30 women in all make claims against Deshaun Watson, 24 of them filing civil lawsuits. So just remind us here, Where do those cases stand now, and what does the ruling here today from the NFL, what does that mean for Watson's accusers?
2: Yeah, Pablo, so before the hearing, before Sue Robinson back in June, 20 of the 24 cases were settled. That left four remaining that remained active up until very late Sunday night when they were three of the four were settled. One of those cases was Ashley Solis's, again, the first who filed a civil lawsuit against Deshaun Watson. She has settled her case. So there is only one active lawsuit against Deshaun Watson pending at this point.
0: And so there is just one remaining active lawsuit against Deshaun Watson. But what about the Houston Texans, his previous employer, Jake, in terms of their place in all of these settlements?
2: Yeah, so there was one woman who filed a civil lawsuit against the Houston Texans, which accused them of enabling Watson's behavior. Uh, Remember, the New York Times first reported that the Texans provided Watson with an NDA that he had uh, these massage therapists sign before giving him treatment. And so the Texans were implicated in that lawsuit. And before any other was filed, the Texans settled with 30 women. Uh, Now, the Texans admitted no wrongdoing in the civil lawsuit publicly, but Uh, They did settle with 30 women. And so the Texans are no longer part of the legal proceedings on the civil case front.
0: All right, Jake, sit tight in your truck, because after the break, I have many questions about what the road ahead looks like, both for you and for Deshaun Watson's new team, the Cleveland Browns.
1: That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live.
0: So Jake, this has obviously been a national story, but I want to dive deeper into where you are right now on the ground in Cleveland, because this is the team, the Browns, that engineered this trade we just talked about, right? A trade that cost them three first-rounders, a third-rounder, two fourth-rounders. They paid him a cleverly designed contract that was fully guaranteed, that was also unprecedented, And the reaction among the fan base when the Browns first acquired Watson at those prices, given these allegations, was what, as you recall?
2: Yeah, Pablo, so it depends, right? A lot of fans are excited about Deshaun Watson playing quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, which, remember, have not had a franchise-caliber quarterback since Bernie Kosar in the early 90s, late 80s. It's been that long since the Browns have had a quarterback that's even remotely close to the caliber that Deshaun Watson is on the field. So they're aware of the allegations that have been made against him and they really don't care because of how good he is on the field. But that's just a segment of the Browns fan base because there's another segment that is at the least conflicted by what the Browns have done in mortgaging their future uh, for a guy with these allegations against him uh, or completely turned off. Uh, You know, disgusted by it is a word I've heard as well. You know, the Cleveland Rape Crisis Center issued a statement as soon as the Browns made the trade for Watson. And they issued another statement after Robinson's ruling saying they were disappointed that he was only suspended six games. So it depends who you talk to at Monday's practice after Watson's uh, was suspended six games. He was absolutely mobbed by fans. Uh, afterward. I mean, just Mm. dozens, hundreds of fans were trying to get his autograph uh, after practice. But I can just tell you, being in Cleveland, you know, talking to people that I know, people that uh, I don't know where this conversation comes up, this topic comes up, uh, there are a lot of Browns fans out there. They might not be so outspoken publicly, uh, but they are not happy with the decision that the Browns have made. And I've talked to some of them who said, you know, right now, I just can't root for the Cleveland Browns with the person that the team has playing at quarterback.
0: I mean, surely, Jake, Andrew Barry, the GM you referenced before, and Kevin Stefanski, the head coach of the team, they must have anticipated this. And in the press conference where they introduced Deshaun Watson to the public after the trade, right, you asked them questions about all of these matters. And how would you describe what you wanted to know and how they answered those questions?
2: You know, at the time of the introductory press conference, the question I wanted to know, did you do what the NFL did, which was, did you interview any of the women? Yeah, Andrew, just to be clear, uh, nobody from the Browns or representing the Browns spoke to any of the 22 women who've made allegations, correct? We, we, we,
1: I, like I mentioned earlier in my opening statement, J- Jake, our attorneys advise us that reaching out directly could be considered interfering with a criminal investigation. But that's the reason that we did hire independent investigators to make sure that we could get that comprehensive and holistic perspective.
2: You know, the answer they gave was that because there was a legal proceeding ongoing, uh, that they were advised by their attorneys not to interview any of the women. But, you know, as we saw with Jenny Vrentis in The New York Times and the investigation she's done, you know, she spoke to a lot of women who have not filed civil lawsuits, who did not file criminal complaints. Mm -hmm but have made the same allegations that the women that have. So it's interesting that the NFL took one path and the Browns took another on that front. And, you know, we really haven't gotten a lot of specifics from the team about the investigation. You know, who, who did they talk to? Right. You know, what did the investigation comprise of? You know, they've said that they read depositions, but at the time they made the trade, not all the women who filed civil lawsuits had even given their depositions yet because They were still taking him uh, up through the summer before the cases were settled. So, uh, you know, even on Monday, I asked Kevin Stefanski, you know, based on the report, you guys have used the word comfortable. We're comfortable with Deshaun Watson, the person. But given the way Robinson ruled on this case and some of what she wrote, noting that Watson violated uh, the code of conduct policy uh, with regard to sexual assault, as the league defines it, and endangering another person. Does that give you any pause? And if not, why? And he
0: said that, A, he hasn't read the report. He said he would. Uh, Wait, wait, I'm sorry. So wait, this is Monday afternoon. You're saying the team, head coach Kevin Stefanski, has not read the report yet as of that moment. That's correct. Well, I haven't been able to read the entire uh, ruling. Uh, Jake, I think all along we've been very consistent, uh, like like you mentioned, and that was from,
1: a lot of work uh, on Deshaun the person throughout this entire process. Uh, so I'm going to remain uh, ha- what we've said all along uh, about Deshaun the
0: person. Um, you know, I would mention Deshaun has said it, uh, that he-, he is working uh,
1: to be the best version of himself. He's committed to that. Uh, he said that publicly. He's- he said that privately. Uh, and I believe that.
2: And I know that they had a team meeting earlier in the day where Stefanski addressed the suspension to the players. They obviously have had their normal day of meetings and practice, but that is correct. Now, uh, the Haslams also, the owners of the team, put out a statement after practice on Monday, and 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 they basically said that they understand that this has been a triggering event for some people in their fan base and that Deshaun Watson is remorseful, that was their word, uh, about uh, what has happened. But it's interesting that in Robinson's report, she explicitly states that one of the reasons that she cites his behavior as egregious is that he did not show any remorse for the actions that he allegedly took. So, right. uh, yeah, it's very interesting. The reactions that uh, we have seen from the people who flew down to Houston back in March uh, to interview Watson before the trade, Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Barry and the Haslams, uh, the latter three, uh, Jimmy D. Haslam, and Andrew Berry are not going to speak until after we hear whether the NFL is going to appeal the ruling or not.
0: So I would just want to read the quote that you referenced because there is a needle, a rhetorical needle being threaded here, Jake, because what the Haslams, the owners of the team said, quote, was, we know Deshaun is remorseful that this situation has caused much heartache to many. And that does feel like a distinction, right? A verbal distinction between him being sorry for what he did and him feeling sorry that people feel this way about him. But all of this raises questions about, like, are we going to hear from Deshaun Watson about this? Or is this just something that you're no longer expecting until when exactly?
2: Yeah, it could be this week, but I would be surprised if it were not before Thursday when the team has some finality on how many games Watson will, in fact, be suspended. But I, I can tell you, Pablo, during minicamp in June, you know, I asked Deshaun Watson, you know, point blank, he said at his introductory press conference that he had, quote, no regrets about his actions.
1: I don't have any regrets. Um, like, like I said before, the things that, that are off the field right now that came up, you know, caught me by surprise because I never did anything that these people are, are a legend.
2: And I asked him, you know, there were more lawsuits that were filed, more information that came out, particularly from the New York Times story. And I asked him if he stood by that. That he that he that he still had no regrets about anything that he did during this process. And he said to me, yes, but he did regret the position this situation had put the Browns fan base in, uh, you know, people within the team, the organization, his friends and family. But he still stood by his words in March that he had no regrets about anything that he has been alleged to have done.
0: And so now we have the 16-page ruling from a retired federal judge, which establishes that, yes, he did commit at least four acts of sexual assault as defined by the NFL. And that raises the next question, Jake, which is, what's your sense of how Deshaun Watson's teammates feel about his presence on the team, about him being the new star quarterback, the face of the franchise now?
2: Well, I can tell you, Pablo, I've spoken to people about what it's been like having him in the building as the quarterback of the team. And they have collectively said that they could not have been more pleased with the leadership that he's brought, um, with the work ethic he's brought, uh, the way he conducts himself in the building. You know, he took the entire offense on a, you know, team building trip to the Bahamas earlier this offseason. And if you ask players, you know, about the allegations that have been made against them, the reply is usually the same. You know, it's none of our business. We don't know what happened. Uh, We're going to stay away from that. So, You know, you watch practice on Monday and you wouldn't have known just by watching the players on the field or the coaches that any of this stuff was going on.
0: And so that reality, Jake, the blunt reality that you can go to camp on the day that this unprecedented ruling gets delivered and you don't even know based on the surroundings that something jarring has even occurred. It brings to mind the feelings of fans who are not in Cleveland, like the fans who are around the country, the female fans who I imagine have to factor into the NFL's thinking as the message that this suspension is sending them to.
2: I think this is something the NFL is really going to have to consider as it decides whether to appeal. You know, what message does this send to our female fan base, which is a huge part of the NFL's fan base? And, you know, reading some of the comments from other coaches, other general managers around the league, even if they're not on the record... Uh, I, I think the collective response is this suspension is way too low, given the allegations that have been made. You look at what John Harbaugh, the coach of the Baltimore Ravens, said after their practice on Monday, you know he said, basically, we have zero tolerance for this kind of stuff, and we have stayed away from that particular situation. I'm glad we have that policy. That's John Harbaugh and he said he has a lot of opinions about what's happening with Deshaun Watson, but would not uh, disclose those on the record. So I think that he probably reflects the opinion of a lot of people around the league about the contract that the Browns gave Deshaun Watson and the allegations that it made against a player before they traded for him.
0: And so at the end here, Jake, I want you to look through – your windshield here at week seven, right? When the Browns are going to welcome, if the suspension holds up, if Roger Goodell does not appeal this ruling, when the Cleveland Browns are going to welcome back their star quarterback, what is that scene going to look like, do you think? How would you describe it as you understand it sitting here today?
2: Yeah, I'm curious to see what that scene is going to be like I'm sure you know, Baltimore Ravens fans are not going to let him forget about the allegations that have been made against him. And keep in mind, Pablo, under the CBA, Deshaun Watson can continue to practice during training camp. He can play in the preseason games, and he can return to the team during the second half of the suspension. Mm. So he's only going to be away three weeks if it remains at six games. He won't be gone that long, and this story is going to continue to be a big one with the Browns uh, because he's going to be on the field practicing, getting ready for that return October 23rd against Baltimore.
0: Jake Trotter, we are glad you're behind the wheel of this story, and we have a feeling that we'll be talking to you again. So thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you, Pablo.
0: I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.